Hey, sports fans. It's Greg Medford here again from going there with Greg. What's happening? I don't know why we have commercials on at the beginning of our video. I don't understand that. I don't know what's going on here. Hey, Bobby, if you're out there, if there's anybody out there, am I, I'm up live, right? It's so weird because um, YouTube's trying to do chicanery with me. I don't know if you noticed this. Super frustrating for me. Here we go. Um, I want to talk today about what the government's up to, so we're going to go there. <laughs> um, the government... You know, it's funny, I talk to, and as many of you do, we'll talk to liberals in our life, uh, and everyone always wants to have these great arguments. You know, guys want to, uh, you know, if they hear me talk, uh, if they hear me talk, they say, God, you know, how do you know about all of this, uh, you know, John Stuart Mills, and how do you know about this philosopher and that philosopher, God, you know, so much stuff. It's funny, uh, they say, you hear a politician talk, and you say, yeah, you know, they got to they gotta know about so much stuff. And they really don't have to know about that much stuff. Um, hey, Bobby, just so you know, I'm looking on YouTube, and I don't see it. It is not live at all. There's comments. For some reason, it's not showing up live here. So I'm just going to, I guess I'm going to. I'm not sure why it's not showing up for me. I kind of want to, it's episode 12, right? It says streamed three minutes ago, 26 views, and all I have is the starting now screen. Okay, all right. Well, I guess. Oh, all right. Well, I guess I'll just turn this shit off. Hey, I'm going to hand you my iPad. Would you see if you can uh, pull up the live stream on there? Because it's not coming up. So, um, guys ask me all the time, you know, hey, Greg, God, you know, how do you do this or how do you do that? People will debate with me and um, I'll debate. And I, it's funny, I know I'm kind of a bull in a china shop, but I also know the power of persuasion is not one of a, it's less of a hammer and more of a feather. So I usually don't smash people unless they're being, uh, unless they're just, they're not really arguing, they're trying to shut me down and then I'll slam people. But I generally, when I'm engaging in grown-up dialogue with people, I like to tickle them. I like to just touch them. I like to nudge them just a little bit with a feather because you can move people more with a feather than you can with a hammer. The thing about the government is it's wrong about almost everything. It's unintended consequences, like almost everything. The way it's been about COVID, its response to COVID from the beginning, we can all... You know, they said this many people were going to die and we're going to we're going to avert that. Well, we've done everything all the experts said and about that many people are going to die. I mean, it's actually pretty close to the numbers they came up with back at the beginning that they said were that were wrong. You know, the, the numbers are the numbers are pretty accurate to some of the models and and uh, our response was this gigantic overreaction and it happened anyways. This is where the government loses so much credibility with me on everything. So people want to have a discussion. Oh, thank you very much. I don't know where it was. Did you just restart it? All right, cool. People want to have all these discussions, and they want to talk the nuances of points. And a lot of times, you know, when it comes down to talking with liberals, talking with Democrats, um, you know, generally I say, well, listen, you know, my answer is just less government. Because it's very hard to find many things that the government's done at any level that have turned out to be a good thing. Now, I can give you examples. We can go from farm uh, policy and, and uh, we can go from that to agriculture, from agricultural policy to uh, capital punishment to abortion to COVID responses um, to the FDA. Um, we can go to almost anything and see where the the entry of the government, big government into it, 
ruins as well-intentioned as they're all there. And the thing is, they're always smart people. They're erudite. They're urbane. They're sophisticated, mostly. Um, they write well. They've gone to the finest institutions. They are pedigreed well. <coughs> they just don't think well. And oftentimes... The things that go on with the universe, the things that go on with the, the, our country are like, they're kind of like a cold or a sniffle. Um, you don't need to go run in the damn doctor for every little thing that comes along, and we don't need to take punches of action on every little thing that comes along, because if you do, you end up getting in uh, a bunch of sidetracked uh, little problems. So um, at the end of the day, let's think about it this way. Um, the government gets involved in corn and agriculture, and they decide to do subsidies on commodity crops. Now, I'm not overly versed in this, but I will tell you, um, I watched a documentary, and I think you guys should all watch it. It's called Kiss the Earth. I want to make sure I said this right. Uh, kiss the Ground. I'm sorry. Kiss the Ground. Now, Woody Harrelson, his best role he ever did, um, besides the zombie movie he was in in the last couple of years, was as Woody on Cheers. Because I think he's a liberal ding-dong. So I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a few stories. This is going to be like a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm going to tell you a few stories, and they're all going to come together. Somebody says to you, hey, we might get in a car accident someday. We're pretty sure we're going to get a car accident. The numbers tells us, science tells us, we're getting a car accident someday. What we'd like you to do is buy a car and light it on fire so that we don't get into an accident. As crazy as that sounds. Now, environmentalists have been crying. I'm a little older, and the folks older than me remember this. In the 70s, they were saying the world's going to end by the 1990s. In the 1990s, they said it's going to end by the early uh, 20s. Now it's 2021, and they're saying it's eminent. They, this is the same message they've been saying for almost 60 years. And when they say stuff like that, when you say the world is ending, what it allows you to do is kill a bunch of people. It allows you to do something crazy. It allows you to break all the rules. Because in, in crises and emergencies, we break the rules. We break the rules in war all the time because the needs of the moment dictate your action. That's just normal. So we have rules for normal, polite society, and then when the shit hits the fan, Hurricane Katrina, uh, the earthquake that happened in California years and years ago, when the big stuff happens, the rules go out the door, and Americans just roll up their sleeves, and they, uh, and they get to work, and they make things right. But what they really want is they want a blank check. They've always wanted a blank check. My entire life up until very recently, there's been a battle going on in this country. So since this, the 60s, there's been a battle about how to do capitalism. How much should we spend on school? How much should we spend on farm subsidies? How much should we spend on infrastructure? Now, how much should we grant towards law enforcement agencies? How much towards fire department? How much towards the military? And the, the conservatives always wanted to spend less and wanted to protect businesses more because they see businesses as the heartbeat of the nation. And the left um, wants to, they look at everything from the kind of, I, I think of it as kind of the feminine perspective. They're looking at it from the children and the family on backwards. And the conservatives are looking at it from the big business trickling down to the people and uh, the health of a big business tri trickles down into a community. And, and the liberal looks at um, the little people and thinks the community comes from making them healthy. And one comes from a codependent style of thinking where we're concerned about what's going on with the helpless at the very bottom. And if we fix them, everything else will be better, which is wrong. And the other one comes from this, hey, we can't fix everything for everyone, but if we make this better, it will raise the tide for all boats. And in my lifetime, I've seen that tried a couple of times, and that raises everyone's boats, even the poor. We've spent trillions of dollars since the Johnson administration on 
welfare and eradicating poverty in the United States, the richest nation the world has ever known. And poverty in percentage to population is almost unchanged. Almost unchanged. If you spent trillions of dollars fighting something and it was unchanged, would you continue to spend that money? But that's what the government does. If you, led by the uh, saber-rattling of the Rockefellers and the like, decided to come up with a bunch of drug laws that criminalized a quarter of America, and you began the uh, failed policy of the war on drugs, you get, see, as soon as you say war, the rules can go out the, out the window. The war on drugs. We've spent probably trillions of dollars on the war on drugs. I guess I could walk out the front of my building and throw a dildo and hit two junkies in the forehead. And I don't live in a horrible part of town, and the, built, and the shop's not in a horrible part of town. You, There's drugs everywhere. You know, you think you want to do this? I'll tell you. All right, I'll tell you guys a funny story. So I watched a documentary on mushrooms, uh, on fun, fun Guy, and there was a big section in there on the medical use of psilocybin, magic mushrooms. And I said, geez, man, I'm... Man, I, I might like to try this. Not for the trip, the microdosing, because they say it creates neurogenesis in the brain and can um, take middle-aged people who aren't pulling their words as quickly as they used to, and there might be some regenerative properties to psilocybin in the brain. And they're doing all sorts of experiments around. And I said, geez, man, you know, look at me. I roll in a circle of people that don't do drugs. I don't know anybody who does drugs. I asked two people, and I had offers for mushrooms within five Within within five minutes, and I, I I didn't get any, and I haven't done any, and I was just kind of curious. I was thinking about it. My point is, I don't know anybody that does drugs that I know of. And my whole company drug tests were a squeaky clean bunch. And I asked two people, and both of them were like, "Oh yeah, I can get you mushrooms." <laughs> the war on drugs has been the biggest fucking joke ever. What's happened? Prices are, it's its like everything else. It's more available than ever. It's on every single corner. It's completely uncontrolled. And in the middle of our war on drugs that we've been fighting for decades, we're having an epidemic on mm, death from mm, drugs. <laughs> it's a joke. There's a government. They've spent trillions of your tax dollars because they've made the argument that drugs should be illegal. I'm not going to get into that argument. I'm just saying... They made the argument and everybody kind of shrugged and nudged, rolled their eyes and let them have the money. They took the money, they spent it, and they've gotten nothing for it. Well, you know, these crops, every 10 years a farmer's crop gets wiped out by weather. We've got to help these farmers out. These, these farmers, you know, we got to help them out. And it's, oh boy, it makes sense. You know what you need to do? Get rid of the wealth tax. If you get rid of the, if you get rid of the inheritance tax... Uh, the death tax, as, as Republicans call it, if you get rid of the death tax, farmers can leave their farms to their kids and the kids don't have to borrow a million dollars to inherit Ma and Pa's farm whose land is worth a lot of money to a developer now and the government says it's worth a whole bunch of money that Ma and Pa never made. So now we have to pay all this money. When my grandparents died, we had to borrow a couple million bucks to not sell off all their stuff and give it all to the government. It's unbelievable. So it doesn't affect it doesn't affect that many people, but what happens is these policies get thrown our way. So the government steps in and says, "Well, one in ten, God forbid, um, God forbid, we stop these people from paying a death tax. We we don't want to get rid of that, but here's what we will do: <laughs> we're not going to rob from your hard-earned life savings. We're not going to stop robbing from them. We're not going to rob from your heirs, but what we are because we don't believe in you." handing on your hard-earned money that you've paid taxes on to your children. That's that's awful. But we got to protect these farms. Well, we don't want any clauses that say when a family farm passes on to the next generation, we like farms so much we need to we need to prop up farming in this country. We need farmers. We don't we don't want to pass a rule that just makes a really simple law that says when you pass on land or sell land for the continuation of farming, there's no tax on on, on any gain in value of the land. Or, or or, at death, if it goes to a family member. We could sit down and craft something up, myself and a couple of reasonably smart folks, and put it on one page, and we kind of cover what you need to cover. Instead, 
No, 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 we can't do that. Everyone's got to pay their fair share of tax. We can't do that for you guys. But what we are going to do is we're going to give you an ongoing, never-ending subsidy for a crop called corn. Seems like a good idea. Farmers that grow corn, a steady, staple commodity crop of this world, a grain that feeds millions of people, sounds like it makes sense. The problem is... Everybody goes for the safe move. Humans have a tendency to do the safe move. And so now what you've done is you've underwritten, the government has underwritten a pressure into the economic space where your average farmer or large farming operation will go for the guaranteed low yield because there's no risk rather than the large yield that has risk. So you've incentivized them making too much of a thing we don't need that much of. And nobody ever unrings the bell. Well, we got everyone to pass the bill for the corn subsidy. So now they're throwing corn, they're taking corn and throwing a bunch of oil energy and nuclear energy at it to process it and turn it into ethanol so they can add it to our our fuel. We're, We're growing corn, wasting water, wasting land, throwing it away to make fuel to put in our cars while we're making it illegal to explore and drill for oil and natural gas on American holdings around the globe. Sounds good, right? (laughs) Until uh, this CO2 gas thing starts happening and they think it's the CO2 and the scientists are pretty sure it's the CO2. The problem is with scientists is they're fucking nerds. And the government, the problem with them is they're the fucking hall monitors from high school. And they couldn't get laid. So now they can get a little action and they get invited to the parties because they have the power of the people and and everyone wants them there. So they do their evil bidding and they undermine and fuck up everything. So farmers should be having to adapt and compete in a modern environment, just like all other industries. They shouldn't be protected and stuck in the 1950s. Because it stops innovation, creativity, and progress. So what we're doing, and NASA's been finding this out, it's interesting. You should watch this documentary that Woody Harrelson narrated called Kiss the Ground. It's absolutely staggering. They have uh, pictures from space, and, uh, and they've put them into models, and they know that during tilling season is where the largest emission of CO2 on planet Earth happens. And you can see the clouds around continents that farm all over earth emitting you know billions of tons of carbon into the air we don't have an auto emissions problem we have a carbon capture problem but it's science and people don't want to talk about science and politicians they can't pass a bill if they can't tell you what it is in uh, in a 30 second tv commercial So they won't even do the right thing because it's too hard to communicate. So the government subsidizes the corn crop so that farmers that grow corn aren't threatened by the weather and by the volatility of the marketplace. They're insulated and protected like teachers in the teacher union. Now, corn, we have too much of, so we have to figure out what else to do with it. So they start making corn syrup. They make high fructose corn syrup. They feed it into all of our bodies. The entire goddamn center of a grocery store, when you walk around the circle of the outside of a grocery store, the inside is 50% corn syrup. The whole goddamn store. It's a cathedral to corn, which is killing us. Because we don't have a COVID problem in the United States. We have an obesity problem in the United States. We don't have a COVID problem. We have an obesity with um, diabetes problem. Take obesity and diabetes and one other issue. You know, the average person dying from COVID right now is four comorbidities. We have a morbidity problem in the United States. And the top two things on the list are obesity and diabetes. That's the problem we have. Well, I wonder what brings that on en masse in a population. Just all of a sudden, it's popped up out of nowhere in the last 50 years. Right around the times corn corn subsidies started. Right around the time we started producing so much corn. Also, emitting 
billions of tons of carbon into the air and not capturing carbon because of the nature of the way we farm. Now, let me go to another chain of the story and we'll come back to this. So the government says, because greenies say, and greenies are dummies, your typical greenie, uh, hippie, uh, lefty, tree-hugging type, they're oftentimes educated in the liberal arts. They can have great vocabularies and bad argument. They don't know much about science, but they want to rule on everything scientific. It's unbelievable the irony of the way people engage the world and what their knowledge level is on the very thing in which they're engaging and yelling the loudest. So, uh, if you get a chance, watch this documentary. I recommend it to everybody. The greenies yell at the politicians. The politicians react because they're loud and the squeaky wheel gets oiled in America. And so now... We have an impending carbon crisis, and so they want to tax us. They've created a carbon crisis by killing the humus in upper six inches of soil on a quarter of our nation's uh, surface of our land. They've killed the soil and turned it into dead dirt with chemicals from Monsanto and Dow, Roundup, genetically altered foods and chemicals to keep the weeds and the bugs down so that they can make a monolithic crop that we have too much of that we have to convert into other things to find a use for it instead of letting the marketplace make farmers adjust. And what they've done now is they've created a carbon problem and they're going to tax us for using carbon because we're going to underwrite bad farming that creates a carbon problem from the government with our tax dollars, they are now going to punish us for using carbon with carbon taxes, the Paris Climate Accord. All of those things come down to carbon, you guys. Getting rid of all of these different, you know, they're, they're against coal because it's a carbon, it's a, it's a uh, carbon-based form of energy uh, release. The only problem is we're really good at clean uh, coal these days. If you built a new coal plant, it's not like the 1950s where you see these big stacks and all this black smoke trailing off. A new coal plant, you could put it in the next neighborhood over, you wouldn't even know. We're really good at capturing the emissions. My point is, there's no sense to any of this. They've created a carbon problem, and the greenies don't want us using the energy. Because they think the energy is the problem. And really, we killed the lungs of the country. And we've killed the lungs of the world. We're killing the lungs of the world. So I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the cliff notes for those of you who don't go watch these documentaries. Here's what happened. When we till and you see them tear up the land and rip the roots and flip them over and aerate the soil and lighten the soil. When they till that, if you ever look at it up close, there's millions of little fingers that the little extensions of the roots out into the soil. They flip them over, and then those die, and they are almost principally 100% carbon. And that carbon powderizes and just goes up into the air, and NASA sees it from space. These giant clouds of carbon emission, which are not coming from cows' asses, and they're not coming from cars, and they're not coming from power plants. They're coming from dead soil, millions and millions of tons of carbon in the roots, in cornfields every year that are buried down in the ground just fine until we come through and we till the soil and turn it and they die off and get blown up in the air. They blow up in the air. They aerate. And for six to eight months of the year, these fields, you drive by them, you folks, when you go on your road trips, you drive by them and they're just dead dirt so apparently in, and then if you throw enough roundup at them you can get cancer and uh, kill everything in the dirt so you fill them up with chemicals and then you've killed all the nutrients and then you got to buy some fertilizer so you put some ammonium nitrate on it or whatever ammonia nitrate whatever it is and you have to re uh, um, 
try and re-energize the soil for this monolithic crop that the government guarantees your payment risk-free. Now, the documentary is fascinating because it basically, Woody Harrelson starts it off saying, I gave up, I lost hope. And this is me, back to my first leg of the story. Greenies come to you and the government comes to you and says, hey, there's going to be a crisis at some point in the future. So we want to do this thing right now. And they explain what they want to do. And I turn to them and say, that sounds like a fucking crisis. And they go, yeah, it's a crisis. We got to do this. And it's and I say, well, that sounds like you're creating a crisis. They go, oh, yeah, because we're let's take the crisis now instead of the big crisis later. And I go, well, I understand the logic, except... When you did that COVID thing and you said these models were crazy that a half a million people were going to die, we had to go on lockdown to stop the spread. We had to wear masks to stop the spread. You have to take the vaccine to stop the spread, even though vaccines don't stop the spread. Stop the spread. You know what they did? They created a catastrophe. They created a calamity. You know, when a hurricane comes through, that's a catastrophe. When you go fucking around with gasoline and matches on purpose while drinking whiskey and light your shit on fire, that's a calamity. They created a calamity. And every time the government touches anything, they do it. This is why when you talk to guys like me or conservatives, we are anti-government on everything. Everything they touch, they fuck up. That should be Trump's next big line. You know, he said everything, uh, everything that's woke turns to shit. It's, it's the same with this. Everything the government touches turns to shit. You know, the military's shit. <laughs> you guys don't want to hear it. And you lovely soldiers out there, half of you are shit too. Nobody wants to say it. God forbid anybody says it. Half of you are loafers. You pipe it and tip of the spear, son bitches know what I'm talking about. Half the people in the military are there for the fucking GI Bill. That's fine. They're using That's fine. The military's wokeity-woke and full of shit. The generals, they're shit. I don't know what else to say to you guys. Everyone everyone is collectively gagging on the, the shaft of the military penis for the last 20 years. And the military is awful. It lies to the civilian population and does awful things. Now, not the young men and women who get sent out into harm's way. The leadership. They waste our gold. They waste our treasure. They waste our blood. My friends, my friends' children, young people I know as parents, everything the government touches turns to shit. So I know someone's going to take a little snip of me saying something awful. You know, half the veterans I meet are on the goddamn take. It embarrasses the shit out of me. I'm one of you. I can say it. Half the veterans I meet are on the fucking take. Of the remaining half, half of them want to tell stories and get stuff for free with their fucking veteran card. And that's okay. It's fine. But my point is, everything the government touches turns out, what about our wonderful military? Our military's full of shit. <laughs> They're a bunch of money-wasting sons of bitches. They're not honest. They're dishonest. They're dishonest about how they spend their funding. They're dishonest about their capabilities. They're dishonest about their pet projects. The Bradley Fighting Vehicle, the V-22 Osprey, the uh, F-22, I mean, the F-35. I could run down weapons programs, and I'm fucking nobody, that the military has crammed up the ass of the U.S. government and stolen the, 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 the treasure of the American people for generations. Okay. And that is the best institution the U.S. government is in charge of, the military. It's the best. Everything the government touches turns to shit. So when the government says to me, hey, there may be this crisis coming when the planet's 1.5 degrees warmer. So what I want you to do is everyone needs to stop using internal combustion engines and we need to go to this, we need to go to that, and we need renewables that don't work, and we need windmills that take more energy to form the windmills and manage than they actually net in energy savings. And, and, and as 10 years passes by, it requires more maintenance to keep a windmill going than it can sustain, sustain with energy production. You know, they don't tell you all that. It's just, oh, it's a windmill. It's good. It's not. 
Windmills are awful. They're not sustainable without government subsidies. Government subsidies. So the Greenies' solution to avoid a crisis that may or may not happen that I don't necessarily believe in, and they don't have all the facts and they don't have all the data, want to create a crisis to avoid the crisis. They want to create a calamity to avoid a disaster. Which is what masks are and lockdown procedures and stay at home and vaccines that turn out to have a 40 to 60% efficacy rate and aren't, are, being, are, are being administered improperly around the country, around the world. That's what the government does. What the government does is fuck up a wet dream. The government shows up to a whorehouse with a billion dollars and ends up killing all the hookers. <laughs> I just don't get it. So when I talk to liberals and they say, in the greatest country in the world, the most in the richest, in the, they don't say the greatest, they think we're awful. They'll say in the richest country in the world, poor people shouldn't go hungry. No child should be left behind. No child should go hungry. My question is always, why? Why do you say that? I mean, you don't believe in God. You believe in Darwinian evolution. If their parents are that bad, should they be breeding? I mean, that's awful for me to say. It's a little rough. Nobody wants to say it. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> the government is awful at everything. And do you know what happens with people in poverty? More of them will leave poverty if their only option is to survive and thrive and work. We know that it is a truth. If you spoil your children, they will grow up to not be good at taking care of themselves. If you spoil citizens, they will get really good at not taking care of themselves. It's just a truism. Now, there's a lot of data to back it up, but I'm not going to run through it with you guys and bore you to death. But the government fucks up everything it touches. So I want everyone to keep this in mind as we talk about the Green New Deal. As Joe Biden and his cohorts spend the American dollar into oblivion so they can tear down houses, tear down buildings that are inefficient. You know, all of those things make sense, but you let them happen because of market pressures over time. You don't borrow money to do that stuff. It doesn't fiscally make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And all they really have to do Watch this documentary. It will crack your fucking egg. All they really have to do is get the farmers of America to rotate and do regenerative farming instead of doing uh, instead of doing the tilling farming that they do. I was uh, listening to this. It was fa it was fabulous. This documentary, and they have this good old boy from Idaho, and the the guy from Idaho is a lot like me. He's a dude who's wants to cut his own way, and he basically said, you know, I was. If you ask me, am I a farmer or a rancher? He goes, I'm a rancher because he grows cattle. And the cattle for years have been a subject of derision with greenies and lefties when they talk about agriculture. Cows are the worst thing ever. That's why they're all fucking vegans and vegetarians wearing their fucking leather Birkenstocks. They're vegans and, vegeta ve vegans and vegetarians. And the reason why is because when you look at cattle production, cattle uh, uh, growing, raising, rearing cattle, ranching. Um, it's not great for the environment. So this guy's got a different take on it. He's got a piece of land up in Idaho, and they do this great aerial shot of his land around his neighbors. His neighbors do traditional farming, and he does this, they call regenerative farming. And his looks like Marlon Perkins' fucking wild kingdom. There's grasses, and he's got... He says, well, what I do is I have about 20 overlapping crops and I grow cattle and rotate cattle around the different uh, sections of plots of property. And so the cattle hoofs turn the soil, but they don't flip it over, but it turns and opens up the soil. The cows leave their deposits behind, so he gets this natural fertilizer regenerating back into the soil. He grows corn, flax, alfalfa, three or four different kinds of trees. He has all these different kinds of crops. Lots of bees, um, chickens, and the chickens run wild on the whole farm. They don't run in an open, fenced-off area that's bare with um, 
broken up oyster shells on it and chickens in the dirt. You know, most of your free-range chickens that you guys eat are raised in dirt, dead dirt covered in chicken shit and dead oyster shells. That's where your organic chicken comes from. He raises his chickens out on his on his ranch. And it's fa- it's fabulous what he's doing. He's raising these really healthy cows. He's not using uh, traditional turning uh, methodology to his farming. And his soil, when you go to pick it up, it's all stuck together. Like when you put a shovel down in moist soil and you go to turn it and the roots are kind of holding it in place. He's got this humus growing. This alive, it's got the uh, mycelium from the from uh, the mushrooms, the mycelium colonies, and the root colonies all underground. And the number they said to me that was staggering, and I'm going to say this number so that when you guys hear the carbon argument, and we're going to hear a lot of it, and they're going to cram this up our ass, just like the vaccine and just like the masks, for their calamity to avoid a tragedy. He said, for every 1%, you can increase the organic matter of an acre. For every 1%, you will take 10,000 pounds of carbon out of the air. I I hit rewind on that five times. I'm going to say this again. For every acre that you can increase the organic material in the soil by 1%, you will take out 10,000 pounds pounds of carbon five tons of carbon per year five tons of carbon per organic increment of a one percent increase on an acre of land now you do that to half the farms in america it's more than all the carbon emitted in industry and cars if you did it to all we would be a, a a negative carbon impact on the planet This is why when they've been telling everybody, you know, uh, their goal is to get rid of internal combustion engines. Their goal is to transfer to another form of energy. Well, they're simpletons. There is no such thing as another form of energy. Nothing is free. I love all these people driving around. It's always fucking lefties driving around their goddamn Tesla. And I love Teslas. I love Tesla. I love the company. I love Elon Musk. I love everything he's doing. I think he's one of the great minds of our time. And, and definitely one of the visionary titans of industry, okay? I mean, one of the greats in America. And they all drive around their Teslas and they all fucking pat themselves on the back. What a great job they're doing for the environment. Especially all these people here in Arizona. Driving around these fucking Teslas. And in Southern California, driving around Teslas. And they're basically driving around a fucking nuclear-powered car. Because all the energy is done by a nuclear power plant, Palo Verde, about 50 miles outside of town here. Or it's from some coal-fired plant up in the Indian Reservation up in northern Arizona. I mean, they're just full of shit. It's like they've got windmills at their house charging their Tesla. People, honestly, people are ignorant as shit, and that's why we're not in a direct democracy. It's why it's a representative republic. Because our representatives are supposed to know better. And the press are supposed to be keeping them in check. The government sucks at everything it barely can do a military in my opinion barely and the only reason the military works is because at the down at the company and platoon level the guys are all fighting for each other that's the only reason it works not because of some fealty to the boss you know i come on here to talk with you guys and i do a couple of things one it's cathartic for me to kind of wrap this stuff up in a package and kind of float it out there into the universe. It relieves me a little bit. It knocks my stress down. When I get home, I'm not like banging my head and banging my fists on the table, yelling about politics as we talk about the events of the day. I used to be like that. I also think a lot of people are frustrated and they have a hard time wrapping it up into a tidy package. So I can jump in here and I tell you my little tidy package and how it relates to my experiences. When the government, this is what Ronald Reagan was alluding to, referring to. It's what he meant when he said the most fearful thing you can hear, the thing to be most afraid of is when the government says, we're here to help. 
And Ronald Reagan was right. And I'm not like this crazy fall out of my chair Ronald Reagan fan at all. But he was right about that. The government is not good at helping. I think the government's good at like a flood. I think they're better than anybody else. You know, McDonald's isn't going to mobilize, you know, 2,000 FEMA workers and the National Guard. McDonald's can't do that. So I think the government's good at these brief and minor emergencies. And the government is is good at maybe kind of keeping a military because who in their goddamn right mind would? They're okay at it. I mean, they're medium at it. But they're, they're bad at everything else. Everything they touch turns to shit. The government's policies on farming in America have quite possibly caused the carbon problem that is the core of the Greeny movement's um, causality for global warming. The government is causing global warming. And their policy is stopping the natural repair of our environment that can block global warming in the next 20 years. Done. And we don't have to get rid of cars. And we don't have to tear down our houses. And we don't have to all bicycle around like we're in China on our bicycles. We can live our lives and be more efficient and be a little cleaner and be a little neater and be a little more worldly and a little more aware and still have your boat and fly your airplane and ride your Harley Davidson. We can do all of that. If the government gets out of the way, so my message today, whether you're a liberal or a conservative, even if you like what liberal politicians say and what leftist politicians say, the track record of the left side of the political spectrum in this country is one of abject failure. Everything they've ever touched has been a failure. The VA is in a constant state of failure, exposure, trying to make it better, and decaying into failure. Because they're not rated on how well they do. They're not rewarded for excellent effort. They rely on altruism, which is rare. I'll tell you what's not rare. Someone doing better because they're concerned about being paid to provide for their family. That, that's not rare. That's, uh, that's a human truth. And every time the government intervenes to break that paradigm of you having to scratch together a living for your family, every time they intervene and mess that up, everything turns to shit. The teachers' union. There's been more money gone into teachers and the teachers' union since its inception than almost any other institution besides the military. A crazy amount of money over the last hundred years. We had one of the best school systems in the world in 1920. With the inception of the teachers' unions, with the launch of the teachers' unions, the performance of students has done nothing but gone down. Across the board. The government got involved and ruined education. I can tell you, education is not great these days. I find very few young people who are even comfortable stepping into the Socratic method of learning where you kind of debate and hold your ground and you learn point and counterpoint and you begin to find where you're comfortable and find your truth. Nobody's finding any truth. They're just repeating the party line what the Politburo has told them. Same with the Green Movement. You know, my kids, they're programmed by these bunch of goddamn lefties. They sit down and get a little educated and they go, why are they teaching us like this? I said, well, that's, that's a teacher's union. A bunch of people off in Texas deciding, uh, voting on what stuff should go in the books. People in New Jersey having their way on how history should be taught. It's kind of spooky. So when the government says, you need to wear a mask and you need to get a vaccine because we've got this crisis and we're here to help, you don't even have to pay for it. Really? Really? I don't have to pay for it, huh? 
Every week when I look at my paycheck, it sure looks like I pay for it. <laughs> it's not free, folks. Which brings me to our current situation. I was just reading about how Joe Rogan was going to sue CNN for them deriding him publicly over taking a horse deworming drug, this ivermectin stuff. And what's funny is he went to several doctors and he had it prescribed to him and he, he took it and uh, he had a very quick round with COVID. And it's kind of a red herring argument. When you treat somebody for a disease that almost everybody recovers from them, you know, almost everybody recovers from COVID. 99.9% of people recover from COVID. So if someone says, well, I took this disease, so I, didn't, I, I took this drug and I didn't get as sick. Well, it's kind of a red herring. Maybe you weren't going to get as sick. I took this medication. I wasn't sick as long. You know, I I can't tell you how long the flu lasts when I get the flu. Sometimes I get it bad. Sometimes I get it not so bad. Just the way it is. It's a red herring argument. Anyways, he took this stuff. Swears by it. President Trump took the stuff when he was president and he got it. He, He swore by it. The bottom line is... It's been out there for years. Nobody's objected to its use. It's shown very little harm in humans. It's been used millions and millions of times since it was invented, I believe, in the 1960s. A guy won a Nobel Prize for inventing it, for God's sake. And I think he was awarded in 2015 the Nobel Prize in Medicine for the inventing of ivermectin. And so we've got the government and and big hospitals and the media persecuting people for using this drug who have found it to kind of be a little bit of a interesting magic bullet. They're not sure why it works, but it seems to. They're more comfortable forcing you to have an experimental drug put in your body that has genetic modifications to a cell structure or to a virus structure. They're more comfortable shooting that in you so they can say they've done their job then they are letting you do therapeutics with your physician locally. I've never seen anything like this. Let's put a blinder over our eyes on existing therapeutic treatments that may exist so that we can make, we can mandate billions of injections across the globe to millions of people on an experimental level that hasn't had any long-term clinical trials, and we don't know what it's going to do to the human population. When you put out a narrow spike protein in a virus for one thing, and that virus replicates millions and billions of times, in fact, in a, in a host's body, the billions of times it replicates, it has anomalies, it has mutations. And when you kill off the main one, one of the mutations may become the predominant. And that's where we get potentially radical virus-resistant viruses. We're playing with stuff bigger than we know. I'm not a God guy, and I'm not saying that. We're playing with stuff bigger than we know now. Am I, anti-vi- am I anti-vaccine? No, I'm not anti-vaccine. If you are in a risk group, if you have multiple comorbidities, if you are of a certain age, the math tells us a 40 to 60% decrease in the likelihood of you getting it and some light decrease in the severity of the symptoms sounds like good science and something you should do. And if you're not in that group, we have to build our herd immunity and can we do it without building super viruses? Can we just... Get to a point with a natural virus where we become strongly resistant to it. Or are we going to play whack-a-mole forever? The Delta variant, the Echo variant, the Foxtrot variant. There's already 10 variants floating around that the, 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 the vaccines don't help against. They're guessing, folks, and they change the information, and they change the 50-yard line, and they change the goal line every week. Our national director of vaccines, immunology, and health at the NIH and Fauci uh, for what he does, they're liars. And they're part of big pharma. They're part of the big medical and drug business. So again, 
we have the government stepping in with its big hammer to help you. And what they've done is they've given these drug companies freedom from liability. And the way this worked, the way this went down, is they said, hey, we need this virus as fast as possible. And the drug company said, well, we'd love to get you the virus, the vaccine as fast as possible. We got this virus. We'd love to help. But it takes years to get this through the EPA and the FDA. Uh, not the EPA, the FDA. And, and the government says, well, listen, we're connected. We can uh, pull down some of the regulations. We got to fast track this, Operation Warp Speed, and get this thing to the market. Now, when they're saying a million people are going to die, you jump through your ass and you break some rules because it's go time. It's war time. I get it. But part of the deal was no liability. You know, if you're a government, if you're some, not government, if you're some big uh, uh, pharmacy, uh, pharmacological developer, Merck, Pfizer, whomever, a drug company, and someone says, we need a drug from you really fast. You say, okay, well, we're going to do our best and we'll get it to you fast. But uh, if we're not going to have all the protection of having gone through this and done clinical trials, we want liability for protection. And the government gave it to them. One of the biggest expenses of any drug that any company makes besides its initial development is the built-in liability for that product. As the VERS data comes back and there's adjustments in the market for any kind of negative impact it has on the human population. They have to hold back money and insure themselves. It's a big cost. And this drug has no cost at all associated with it in that regard. None. Because to launch them, the government gave them a hall pass. There's no liability. You can't sue them for side effects of this, of this drug. Again, there's no liability. You can't sue the drug companies if there's something wrong with the drug and it does something to you. That's the deal that was cut. And then the very same company that owns ivermectin also owns the vaccine, their version. And ivermectin's, well, it's been around so long, it's a generic now. You can get it for almost nothing. Well, not until this happened. It was, it was almost nothing. Almost, you know, in Africa, they give it away for free to treat people. It's a very inexpensive drug. So you've got a drug company, you're a drug company, you own ivermectin and you come up with a vaccine and the vaccine, you don't even have to go out and tell doctors. You don't have to get your drug reps to sell your, all your hot drug reps with their big titties to go out, sell it to the doctors and take them to lunch. No sales required. <laughs> the government's going to mandate it. Best part is these guys are in the boardroom laughing their ass. It's like, hey, we're not even going to get sued by anybody. We just rushed this through. Unbelievable. I hope it works. And they got it pretty close. 50, batting 500 in the, uh, batting 500 in baseball will get you in the uh, Hall of Fame, won't it? Somewhere between 40 and 60% efficacy rate of the drugs right now. That's Feedback's coming out of Israel and some places and around the world where they mandate and everyone just gets the shot. They get the jab. That's the government for you. So you've got companies that are making almost no money on therapeutic drugs that seem to have wide usage and wide effectiveness and have very positive results. But because they don't make any money on them, they all collude to get that made irresponsible. And they, they are, uh, they're almost like doxing people for having done it. And Joe Rogan's going to sue CNN over it, apparently. I think it's kind of fascinating. Do you see how it all connects together here? Drug company goes to the government. The government needs something for the drug company. The drug companies, they were railed on by the Trump administration for their price gouging. They were railed on by the Trump administration when he tried to bring in generics from Canada. They were railed on when he tried to bring down drug costs to consumers around the country. And the drug companies may or may not care. It doesn't look good for them. The optics aren't great. But they ginned up a mixture right quick because it is an emergency. But then instead of using it for the emergency population, the government is going to pay them to give it to everybody. It reminds me of the corn crop. It reminds me of so much the government does. So I know there are a few of you on here watching. 
I know if you guys get in here and want to hear me talk about knives, sometimes, you know, you don't get to pick the topic that I talk about. But what I see going on everywhere is I see a generation of people that are not good at argument. So they all think I'm argumentative. The lefties think I'm this really argumentative guy. I don't think I'm argumentative at all because they won't even engage in an argument. They're not healthy. What, the, you know what the number one thing liberals say to me online here? You're fat. You have a comorbidity. You should be worried about COVID. <laughs> That's the number one argument libtards use against me. Well, you're fat. In their wokeity woke rainbow coalition, LGBTQ, uh, big old fat lesbian trans friendliness. Their, their number one argument is to call me a fat guy that has a comorbidity and should be more concerned than I am. That's their number one argument. Their number one argument is nanny nanny boo boo. That's their number one argument. You're stupid. That's their other argument. You're stupid. And you're fat too, so you should get the jab. <laughs> so, you know, I see this clashing together and older people always think it's the end and a lot of times old people are like yeah i'm ready to die i don't even feel like i'm in my country anymore fuck off and young people think there's all this hope ahead but in the middle here i see an intersection i see an intersection of americans who haven't been educated well they don't understand argument and critical thinking and they think when you critically think for yourself that you're a disagreeable argumentative cur and for you lemmings, I am a disagreeable, argumentative cur. For you thoughtful folks, I'm somebody out here with a perspective that's reasonably informed, that tries to fit it into the greater scheme of things. And when, if your girlfriend cheats on you, and you catch her, and she cheats on you again, and you catch her, and she cheats on you again, and you catch her, and then she tells you, Geez, we ought to get married. And you say, hey, I don't know about that because you cheat on me all the time. <laughs> and she screams at you that you don't want to get married. What's wrong with you? That's very much like a government that squanders money on military projects, that wastes money on corn subsidies, that colludes with drug companies and industries and colludes with big business to threaten working men and women of this country's livelihoods if they don't partake in their drug scheme while they fight a war on drugs so that you can only have the drugs they force on you. If that doesn't get under your skin, if that makes me less plucky and more of a prick. I see all of that coming together and it tells me a story. And I see a pattern of behavior from the government that informs me to resist. It informs me to deny them say in my life because they're wrong about everything. So go forth and multiply. Go west, young man. Go east, but don't go with the government best statement I heard the farmer say he says you know I don't want to be on any goddamn farmer welfare so I'm going to do regenerative farming your typical farmer in America makes five dollars per acre of profit growing corn this guy makes a hundred dollars of profit per acre doing regenerative farming and he takes millions of tons of carbon out of the air making the world a more healthy place why isn't the government acting on that? Well, because it goes against three of their other policies. Lies stacked upon lies, stacked upon lies. And at the top sits the Acropolis, a ruin of an ancient culture that brought us mathematics, brought us philosophy, brought us harmonics, optics, the beginnings of modern science. And right now, our government is heaping shit on a pile 
And at the top sits the Capitol building in the White House on a rubble of shit of their own construct, and we paid for it all. So goddammit, resist. Resist! We are led by very, very stupid people. Very, very stupid people. That's it, you guys. We cannot let it continue.